Uh, all right, we are in part two this morning of a Christmas series, a sermon series that we launched last week called Experience Christmas. Experience Christmas. And the premise of this series is that God is calling us not necessarily to be Christmas consumers and not to be Christmas critics, but to actually be characters in the Christmas story. Last week, we, we studied Joseph, and we learned, that, we learned from Joseph that in order to participate in the Christmas story, we're called to, to play a supporting role. Each of us is called to bring Christ into our world, even here, even now, in this time and in this age. We are called to participate as characters in the Christmas story, bringing Christ into our world. And today we're going to look at two different groups who were part of the Christmas story. We're going to compare and contrast, and we're going to look at what God is doing in them, through them, and what that means for us. So we're going to start in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read you about these, these two different groups. Matthew 2, verses 1 and 2. Matthew 2 says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east. Somebody say, Magi from the east. Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. So we got Magi from the east. Then we go to Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, and it says this, And there were shepherds living out in fields nearby. Somebody say, shepherds nearby. So we've got Magi from the east. We've got Magi from the east, and we've got shepherds nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. So we've got, we've got magi from afar. We've got shepherds nearby. Today, I'm going to preach for the next few moments on the subject, Christmas is for everyone, even you. Christmas is for everyone, even you. Turn to your neighbor next to him and say, even you. Even, even you. Christmas is for everyone, even you. Let's take a moment. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for your word. I pray that you would call our hearts to attention. I pray that the distractions of the week would fall away. I pray that the distractions of the present would fall away and that we would be focused intently on your word. We would be leaning in to hear what you have to say to us and what you want to do through us. I pray, Lord God, that my words uh, would reflect the truth of what you have to speak to us through your word. And I pray all of this would bring honor, praise, and glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Uh, I want to start with a question today. How many, how many of you have ever felt like you were on the outside looking in? How many have ever felt like you were on the outside of a situation looking in? You were an outsider looking at insiders. We've all felt that way at some point. When I was, when I was 12 years old, we moved back to St. Louis. We had left St. Louis when I was about three or four. And about the age of 12, we moved back to St. Louis from the little town where I mostly grew up as a little kid. 
it was a little town called Lancaster, Ohio. And let me just tell you, this was a, I got some Lancaster people in the house. <laughs> One Lancaster person. In. Lancaster, Ohio was a little country town, y'all. Can I just tell you, we, we were country. I was just, a, I was country. Anybody country around here? Um, we had one radio station. It was called K95, where we spell country with a big K. That's, 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 how, that's how it was. Everybody in my town, most everybody's parents worked at Anchor Hawking Glass Manufacturing. Uh, if you look at the bottom of your glass or the bottom of your bowl when you go home today, you'll see a little anchor on there. We made those. All, all the people in our town made those. So we were, we were, we were a, a country town and country people, and I was a country kid. Uh, and so when I came to St. Louis, I was in culture shock. I was like, wait a minute, this is like a huge metropolis. And these people here seem like cultured, and they, they're worldly, and they, they talk about things that we didn't talk about in my little country town. And I just felt, I just honestly felt totally out of place. Plus, I was just entering, you know, 12, 13, I was entering into puberty. I was getting some pimples on my face. I was starting to feel all the feels that you feel at that age. You know, my life was just kind of topsy-turvy. I was feeling awkward. And then I also, even my clothes made me feel uncomfortable because we would, we would go, I remember right before we registered for Pattonville Heights Middle School, uh, we, <laughs> we, we went to TJ Maxx or, or Ross Restaurant, one of these places. And, you know, in Lancaster, we, weren't, we just weren't that worried about fashion. So I was like, all right, we'll just get a sweatshirt. We'll get five sweatshirts, different color for each day of the week, red, blue, green, purple, yellow, five sweatshirts and some Wrangler jeans, okay? And, uh, man, I showed up at Pattonville Heights. I just felt out of place. I just felt like I was on the outside looking in. Everybody seemed to have friends. Everybody was already connected. I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any friends. And all of this comes to a head. If, if you ever notice, all, all of that outsiderness comes to a, a pinnacle during lunch hour. When you walk into the cafeteria and you've got your tray and you're looking for it, a table. Has anybody ever been there? You're like, you're looking for a table and everybody else is at the tables that know, they know each other. They're laughing, they're joking around and you, there's just no way you just, you just can't break in to that table. So I had my little tray and my little yellow sweatshirt on my Wrangler jeans and my new shoes and my new pimples and everything. My hair's, you know, and I come walking in and I come walking in, I look around, and finally I see the table that is for people who have no table. You know that table? It's the, it's the table for the people who just aren't accepted at other tables. I go, I guess that's my table. So I go, nobody's even looking at each other. They're just looking down. They're, just ash they're ashamed to be seen with each other. They don't even want to. And so I sit down at the table for people with no tables. I was an outsider. I felt like I was on the outside looking in. All of us have felt that at some point in our lives. Some of us might be feeling that now. Some of us will experience that in the future. Maybe you are at a, at a job or at a school where, where you're, you're of a different culture or ethnicity than all of the people around you, and sometimes you just feel like an outsider looking in. Maybe you have a, a, a level of education that is, uh, you haven't you haven't had the same uh, educational opportunities as other people, and, and the people around you just seem more educated, more sophisticated than you, and you just feel like an outsider looking in, or, or, the, or vice versa. Maybe you've achieved a, a, an education, and you've gone and got degrees or whatever, and you go back to some of the people that you grew up with, and you don't know if you can still fit in with them. You feel like an outsider looking in. 
Maybe you're, you, you went home for Thanksgiving or you're getting ready to go to family for Christmas. And politically, you're on the opposite end of the spectrum from, one, from the rest of the people in your family. You're, you're on the left and they're on the right. Or you're on the right and they're on the left. And you're, you, just, you just feel like an outsider looking in. Maybe you're in an environment where you're, you're a, a single person. And a lot of your friends are starting to get married and starting to pair up. And you're starting to look around going, man, I'm starting to feel like an outsider. Or maybe you're married. And a lot of your friends are having babies and either you haven't had children or you can't have children. And you're looking at all of these people and all these happy families. You feel like, man, I'm an outsider looking in. Or you're an old person around young people or a young person around old people. We all will have these experiences in life where we feel like we're on the outside looking in. There's a, there's a heartbreaking Hans Christian Andersen story about the little match girl. I don't know if you've ever read that story. But it's a holiday story where the, the little girl, she's, she's, she has no home to go to. And she's looking through the windows. And, and it's cold and it's snowing. And all of the people in the windows are eating big feasts. And they're having these wonderful times. And she's on the outside. She's an outsider looking in. We've all experienced that in some area of our life. And we all long to be in a space or in a place where we are fully embraced. We all long to be fully unconditionally loved. We all long to be fully unconditionally accepted from whatever background, whatever tradition, whatever, wherever we come from. All of us long for the same thing. We want to be loved. We want to be embraced. We want to be infer- affirmed. We want to be taken in. We want to be brought in. And the question is, where can we experience that? How can we experience that in our lives? How can we have that moment where we can be fully known and fully loved? When we look at the story of the Magi and of the shepherds, what we see is a powerful theme arising in the midst of the Christmas story. Because in these two stories with the Magi and the shepherd, what we see is a massive contrast. We see the Magi being from a faraway country. They're Gentiles. They're not Jews. They're Gentiles from a faraway country. They're probably from Persia. They're probably from a Zoroastrian priestly caste. They're far, far away from the little town of Bethlehem. And then we see right next to the little town of Bethlehem, it says shepherds in the nearby fields. So we've got people geographically from far and near. We've got people from religious backgrounds that are wildly different. The shepherds were very likely young Jewish men. They were, they, were, they were Jews. They had been brought up in the synagogue. The Magi were from a different religious and ethnic and cultural background. Their levels of education were completely different. The Magi were elite intellectuals of their day. They were the philosophers and the scientists. They were, they were the professors of their day. The shepherds were the workers. They were working, the scripture said, all night. They were watching their flocks by night. These are working people who are, who are paycheck to paycheck. The, the Magi were rich. They had frankincense. They had gold. They had myrrh. They could call an audience with King Herod. The shepherds were poor, living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, If you look at these two groups, they were just about as far apart as you could imagine. They were as distinct and as different as you can possibly imagine. And yet God is calling all of them to come and bow before Jesus Christ, the Lord. So what is the theme that we see emerging from the Christmas story when we look at these two parties, we look at these two groups? If you're taking notes, write this down. The first theme is this. Jesus is for you no matter who you are. Take a moment. Take a moment. Put your hand on your chest and say, Jesus is for me. He's for me. 
It's one thing intellectually to know that, hey, Jesus is for everybody. It's another thing to take a moment as we near the Christmas season and recognize that Jesus is for me. He's not only for you, he's, he's for you. He's on your side. He wants to be in relationship with you. He longs to be in relationship with you. Maybe some of you are coming back to church after a long period of time, and it's coming around the Christmas season, and you're starting to feel like, maybe I should pop in and, and see what's going on at church, and maybe I should you know, get a little spirituality and get a little religion as we get here coming up to Christmas. Let me just tell you, Jesus is for you. Whatever background, whatever history, whatever highs, lows, whatever defeats, whatever victories, whatever ethnicity, whatever culture, whatever level of education, Jesus is for you. And the truth is, he, he, God, God described this, God told us this truth all through the Bible, but we sometimes miss it. So I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a 30 second survey from Genesis to Revelation. Are you ready? Okay, buckle up. Are you ready? Here we go. First book of the Bible, Genesis In the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 12 says this to Abraham. God says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And I will be, and and you will be a blessing. And then this is what he says to Abraham. And all peoples on the earth. Somebody say all. All peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. From the very beginning of creation, God intended to use his people to bless all people. He intended to bring all people into relationship with him. All right, now we're going all the way to Revelation. First book, last book. Are you ready? Revelation chapter 7. It says this. This is John, the revelator, who saw a vision of heaven. This is what it's going to, this is what it's going to look like. This is what it's going to turn out. He said, I looked and behold a great multitude with, which no one could count of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. Somebody say all. All nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. From the first book to the last book, God keeps saying over and over, Jesus is for you. No matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter your background, Jesus is for you. In fact, in Revelation chapter 19, when John gives a description of what it's going to be like, he says it's a banquet feast. All are invited. Go into the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. Whoever will, let him come. In other words, you know what Jesus is saying? You can sit at my table. You can sit at my table. You don't, you don't have to wander around for a table for people who have no tables. Come and sit at my table and feast at my table. Jesus is for you. This is why the angel said to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for who? For all people. For all the people. Can I just give you good news this morning? Some good Christmas news from the front to the back, from the east to the west, from the left to the right, from the north to the south. From the rich to the poor, from the GED to the PhD, from the white to the black to every shade and hue in between, from the righteous to the reprobates, from the city to the country, from the mountain to the valley. Jesus is for you. Even you. Jesus is for you. Did you know that Jesus was even for people who were against him? He was even for those who were against him. 33 years later, when he's on Golgotha, And they put a crown of thorns on his head and they whip his back and they put nails in his hands and his feet. You know what he says? He cries out with a loud voice. He says, Father, please forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus is for you. If you don't leave with anything else today, take that home. And remember, this Christmas, Jesus is for you. In fact, so desperately, 
So passionately does he desire a relationship with you that he will change the way he communicates so that you will understand it when he speaks to you. He will change his method in order to ensure that you get his message. Jesus will speak in a language that makes sense to you. Let me show you what I mean. In Matthew 2, when he's speaking to the Magi, Matthew 2, verses 9 through 10, says this. The Magi went on their way, and the star, somebody say star, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. God was communicating to the Magi through a star, through a star. Luke chapter 2, he's communicating with the shepherds. It says this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel, somebody say angel, angel of the Lord appeared to them. Why didn't God speak to the, to the shepherds through a star? The reason he didn't speak to the shepherds through a star is that the shepherds didn't study stars. They studied sheep. And they were young Jewish kids. And so they had been studying the scripture all their life. They had heard over and over how God appeared to Abraham and Jacob and Gideon and Moses as an angel of the Lord. So when God spoke to them, he spoke to them in a language they understood. He appeared as an angel in the glory of the Lord shown around them. And so they, they, were, communicated by, they were communicated to by God through an angel because that's what they would understand. The Magi don't know anything about angels. They know, they know about astronomy. The, angel, the, the, the Magi were astronomers. They were not... They, 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 weren't, they weren't Israelites. They weren't reading the scripture. And so God said, oh, okay, you guys understand, uh, you understand the, the stars and the heavens and you understand astronomy and I'm going to speak to you through a star. I'm going to communicate to you in a language that you understand. I'm going to communicate to you in, in a way that will make sense to you. I'm going to communicate to you in a, through a means that will, that will resonate with you. Did you know God can speak to you in many, many ways. He can speak to you through the stars. He can speak to you through the wind. He can speak to you through a colleague. He can speak to you through a pastor. He can speak to you through your child. He can speak for, through a professor. He can speak through a family. God will speak to you in a language that makes sense to you. The question is not, is he speaking to you? The question is, are you listening? Because he's speaking to us all the time. He's trying to communicate to us all the time. If you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus speaks your language. Jesus speaks your language. Jesus wants to speak to you in a way that will resonate with you in a, in a way that makes sense to you. We see this actually in one of my favorite passages in the Bible. When Jesus, he, he, he grew up and we know his story. He died, he was buried, he rose again, he ascended into heaven. And then 50 days after his ascension, uh, 50 days after his resurrection rather, 10 days after his ascension, uh, the followers of Jesus had gotten together in a little upper room, and there was a, there was a feast happening in, in, at that time in Jerusalem. It's called the Feast of Pentecost. Let me tell you what happened in this feast. I'm going to read it fast. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing men from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard, watch this, their own language being spoken. 
Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these people speaking? Aren't they Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and other parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. God is saying, I want to have a relationship with you so badly, I'm going to find a way to communicate with you in a way that makes sense to you, in a way that resonates with you. Jesus speaks your language. Jesus speaks your language. One, one writer said we all have uh, these signals of transcendence, these moments in our lives where we can feel the beckoning call of God in our heart in one way or another. Maybe, again, maybe it's through a friend or a colleague. Maybe it's, uh, you know, at a Bible study. Maybe it's in a life group. Um, maybe it's while you're serving on, on the team. Maybe you're coming to church and, and the Lord is speaking to you in some way and, and drawing you into a deeper relationship with you. But he's trying to communicate with each and every one of us because Jesus is for everyone. And Jesus speaks your language. Some of you may be hearing from the voice of God right now. You're hearing this word and you're being drawn closer into relationship with God. It's like a star is drawing you. It's like an angel is speaking to you. God is resonating in your heart as you hear his word proclaimed and you're going, I want to follow him. I want to get closer to him. I want to be closer to him. He's speaking your language. Are we listening as we move towards Christmas when there's so much hustle, bustle, busyness? Can we pause long enough to listen to the drawing of the Lord as he seeks to pull us into relationship with you? And because he wants to be in relationship with you, and because he knows you so well, this is what's crazy. God knows you so well. He knows you so intimately. He wants so badly to be in relationship, not just with the world, not just with the crowd, but with you and me individually. That, that if you take taking notes, write this down. Jesus is exactly what you need. He, he, knows, he knows your needs. He knows the longings of your hearts. He, individually, not as a crowd. Individually, he knows what you need. Everybody at Shaw, he knows what you need. Our brothers at Stepping Into the Light, he knows what you need. Here at said, Jesus knows what you need. As my kids are growing up, I'm realizing that as their father, the roles that I need to play are more diverse. I used to just be a protector and provider. When they were just little, that's, that's what they needed from me. They did just needed me to provide and protect. But as they grow up, they need more from me, right? Uh, and it's not my job to give my children what they want. It's my job to give them what they need. <laughs> That's a little Christmas nugget for you right there, y'all. I just saved you $100 just now. You're welcome. Sometimes I'm a teacher. Sometimes I'm a counselor. Sometimes I'm a spiritual advisor to my children. Sometimes I'm a coach. Sometimes I'm a disciplinarian. Sometimes I'm a listening ear. Sometimes I'm a friend as these other ones, as these big ones get bigger. Sometimes I'm, I'm a friend. Sometimes I'm going to challenge them. I, it's my job. It's my sacred responsibility and, and my solemn duty as a father to try to understand what do my children need. And to the best of my ability, by the grace of God, my job is to be exactly, exactly what they need. When Jesus communicates to you he knows what you need 
When we look at the, at the, at the two groups, if you'll notice, it's fascinating. This is, this is deep. What's fascinating is that Jesus is characterized in two different ways. So let me show you this. Luke chapter 2, it says this. Today in the town of David, this is, the, this is what the angel says to the shepherds. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. Somebody say Savior. That's how he's characterized to the shepherds. How's he characterized to the Magi? Magi came from the east, Matthew 2, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who was born king of the Jews? To the shepherds, he was a savior because the shepherds needed deliverance. To the Magi, he was a king because the Magi needed a king. If you remember, the reason why this whole story took place in Bethlehem is because there was, a, there was a, a, an occupying Roman oppressive force in Jerusalem that had told everybody you need to go back to your hometown because we need to count you so we can tax you. So the shepherds are in Bethlehem and all of the people are coming. Joseph and Mary went to Bethlehem because this outside force was, was, was oppressing them and holding them down. They needed a savior. They needed somebody to say, hey, I'm going to stand up for you. They needed a savior. The Magi needed a king because the Magi were very likely from the area of, of Persia. Persia. They were probably Zoroastrian priests in the, in the priestly caste. And, and, and uh, uh, 300 years earlier, Alexander the Great had come through Persia and wiped them out and destroyed all the kings and took out uh, all of the dom- dominion and all the reign. So this Magi group, this, they're, they're wandering people. They need a home. They need a tribe. They need a king. They need a leader. So when God is speaking to the, to the shepherds, he's saying, look, God's going to be a deliverer for you. He's going to be a Messiah for you. When he's speaking to the Magi, he's saying, God's going to be, Jesus is going to be a king for you. The question for you is, what do you need from God? Because Jesus is exactly what you need, whatever that is. Let me, let me, let me explain this a little further. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt, if you remember, at nighttime, God showed up as a pillar of fire. Why did he show up as a pillar of fire? Because it was dark and it was cold. They needed warmth and they needed light. But in the daytime, he showed up what? As a pillar of cloud. Why? Because it was hot and it was bright. They needed something cool and they needed shade. God showed up in the way that they needed him to show up. When they were hungry, he showed up as manna and quail. When they were thirsty, he showed up as water out of a rock. Jesus is exactly what you need. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. He's the everlasting father. He's the Prince of Peace. Can I tell you today, to the fatherless, he's a perfect father. To the sick, he's a great physician. To the hungry, he's the bread of life. To the wounded, he's the balm in Gilead. To the weak, he's the strong. To the anxious, he's the peace that passes understanding. To the lonely, he's the comforter. To the foolish, he's the guide. To the sinner, he's salvation. To the lost, he's the light of the world. What do you need from Jesus today? Because Jesus is exactly, exactly what you need. Jesus is for you. Jesus wants to be in relationship with you so badly that he will speak your language. And Jesus knows you so well, he knows exactly what you need. So here's the question. How do we respond to him calling us? Well, for all the differences between the shepherds and the magi, they shared three things. I'm going to tell you what it is real quick, and then I'm going to close. Are you ready? Here's what they did. Look up, bow down, pour out. Look up, bow down, pour out. 
The Magi looked up to heaven, and they saw a star, and the star drew them to Jesus. The shepherds looked up to heaven, they saw an angel, and the angel drew them to Jesus. Both cases, they looked at something beyond themselves. They looked at something transcendent. They looked at something powerful. They looked beyond their own strength and their own abilities and said, let God draw me to you outside of myself. I can't be the king of my own dominion, and I can't be the king of my own life. I cannot lead myself. I need to be led by something greater, something more powerful, something more majestic, something more mighty than me. They looked up. This Christmas, church, rather than looking at ourselves, let's look up. Let's look up to God and say, God, will you guide us? Will you lead me this Christmas? Will Will you bring me where you want me to go? Will you draw me into a relationship with you from whether I'm coming from far or from near? Will you be my guiding light? Will you be my star? Will you be the word of God spoken to me? I I need something outside of myself. I need to be drawn by God. I can't govern my own life. You cannot follow God when you're looking just at yourself. And you definitely can't follow God when you're looking down at others. If you want to follow God, you got to look up. That's the first thing. Second thing they did was they bowed down. They bowed down. Over the last few weeks I've been doing this more and more with our kids we have a prayer and Bible time at night and and my wife and I and our kids we get together we read scripture we talk we pray we cut up we laugh we tell jokes whatever but recently for the last few weeks every once in a while I go you know what guys for today let's get down on our knees let's pray on our knees let's bow down before God let's put our our bodies in the posture that our hearts need to be in Let's bow ourselves. Let's just remember who we are. Let's remember who he is. He is great. He is mighty. He is king of kings and lord of lords. And we humble ourselves in obeisance to him. If you really want to experience joy this Christmas, bow down to something bigger than you. Submit your heart, soul, mind, and body to the God who made you. That's what you were made for. You are made to love him and worship him and bow your heart before him. It's the ultimate freedom because it puts everything in in the right order in your life in place. Everything falls into the right order when you bow before God. Your relationships get ordered correctly. Your attitude gets ordered correctly. Your behaviors start to get ordered more correctly when you bow yourself before your creator. That's what they did. The, the, The magi came. It says they literally bowed down. They bowed down before him. The shepherds worshiped him, praised God. They looked up, they bowed down, and the third thing was they just poured out. For the Magi, they poured out gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They said, look, we want to, Jesus, we want to be a part of your kingdom. We want to advance it. We're going to pour into that. The shepherds had no money. What did they give? They gave their testimony. When you read the scripture, it says they went around and started telling everybody about what they had seen. They started telling everybody about, about the Messiah that had been born. They were the first missionaries. They didn't, even know, they didn't even know the whole story. They didn't even know the gospel. But they started going around telling everybody, hey, we've met the Messiah, the Christ. He was born here. If you want to be free this Christmas, if you want to experience joy this Christmas, don't, be, don't grab, don't grasp, don't pull. Pour out. Pour out to those in need. Pour out to those who need you. Pour out to, to, to the mission and, and, and the ministry of Christ. Pour yourself out. You'll begin to experience a joy that you just you've just never experienced before when you're because this is this is what we this is what we're made for we're made to look to god from whence cometh our help our help cometh from the lord we're meant to bow our hearts and lives before him because he's our god our savior our king and our lord 
And we're meant to sacrifice our lives for him and for his mission, for his cause and for his people. When we live in the, in, in the reality of who we are and what we're called to do, our life begins to expand. Church, I want to challenge us this Christmas. I want to challenge us to embrace the radical proposition that Christmas is not about, I love Santa Claus, but it's not about a, a fat man with a white beard on a sleigh. I'm all, I'm all good. I'm all good with them. Santa's cool. But that's not what it's really about. What it's really about is that God sent his son into the world so that the whole world could come and bow before him and come into real relationship with God through Christ. It's, a, it's the radical proposition that God loves everybody so much that he sent his son to say, everybody come. Rich, poor, black, white, east, west, north, south. Come from wherever you are. Whoever you are, wherever you're from. Jesus is for you. Jesus speaks your language. He's trying to communicate with you. He wants to reach you. He longs to be in relationship with you. And he knows exactly what you need. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Let's invite Jesus into our hearts, into our lives, into our Christmas, into our schedule, into our busyness, into the craziness of our life. Let's, let's clear out the noise and say, Jesus, we're, we're for you. You're for us. We're for you. Father, we've been distracted and you're calling us to devotion. You're calling us from the world into your word. You're calling us deep into real relationship with you this Christmas. I pray that we as a church would look up and see the glory and the majesty of who you are and begin to recognize the reality that we've been called into. Begin to experience with a deep sense of humility and gratitude because of what you've given us and who you've called us to be. I pray that our hearts would bow down before you. We would set aside hubris for humility. We would set aside our own desires and our own selfish gain to follow you and open our hearts with generosity. I pray that we would pour out. I pray that we would be light, nourishment, strength, hope, love for those in need. I pray that One Family Church becomes a place where people who are longing for you from far and near, people from every nation, tribe, and tongue, people from every background, every creed, every experience, every defeat, and every victory would be led here by the light of your love through us. Let us be a place, Lord God, where people can come and experience the truth of who you are, the truth of who they are. Lord God, let us be characters in the Christmas story. Let us bring Christ into the world. Let us shout it from the mountaintops. Jesus Christ is Lord, and Jesus is for you. Yes, even you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen.